Before you ask for any pay rise or promotion or even just for the fee, say it with your whole chest. Back yourself and say, this is a fee. That's how much it is. And if you can't afford it, that's absolutely fine. Let's work together on something else. But when you've got the budget, you've got to really be confident in that. I'm Emily Bellet, the founder of Vespot.com, thriving community that financially empowers women, author of You're Not Broke, You're Pretty Rich, and host of The Wallet. You've just heard from Adi Oduru, a TV presenter that you may recognize from programs such as Big Brother's Beat on the Side, Celebrity ACA's Who Days Wins, Don't Rock the Boat, and more recently behind the scenes for The Voice UK. In addition to her presenting achievements, she's also a DJ, a qualified personal trainer, and a contributor to publications including Vogue and Marie Claire. AJ and I first met a few years ago when she was hosting an event with some girlfriends to encourage more open conversations about money. With her career going from strength to strength, I was excited to catch up with her to see how her financial journey has evolved. Since our last meeting, AJ has purchased her first property, sharing her renovations and interior developments on Instagram. Getting onto the property ladder can feel like an unattainable goal for many millennials, with house prices almost 15 times more expensive than they were 40 years ago. AJ opens up about how she made this dream a reality and gives her encouragement for others aiming to buy their first place. In this episode of The Wallet, AJ also shares how she remains positive and stands firm in her values when it comes to realizing her worth through negotiating pay how she's constantly had to overcome the fear of failure and take risk over the course of her career, and how she hopes to tackle the racism and cultural bullying that she has experienced throughout her life. And if you're looking for an uplifting conversation, this is definitely for you. Get the good vibes. I'd also just like to say a quick thank you to our sponsor, PensionB. PensionB has helped over 400,000 customers be pension confident. It enables savers to take control of their finances by helping them transfer the old pensions together into one simple online plan. With PensionB, you can manage your pension like you manage your bank account, check your real-time balance, see your projected retirement income, and set up contribution and withdrawals all from the palm of your hand. Plus, you'll get human support from your very own UK-based account manager, or as PensionB calls them, Beekeeper. You can sign up to PensionB today with the names of your old pension providers in just five minutes. And if you're self-employed, you can start a new pension from scratch. As always, with investments, your capital is at risk. Please note that information made available on this podcast is provided for educational purposes only and does not constitute financial advice. If you have any questions, you should seek advice from an independent financial advisor. Hi, AJ. Hi, Emily. How are you? I'm very well. How are you? Yeah, all the better for seeing you. It's been ages. <laughs> It's been ages. I think I, the first time we met was in, uh, in Shoreditch at the Hoxton. Uh, you were organizing an event and you actually asked me to, to talk about money. But you know what? That was one of my first events. So like public speaking event, which was fab. So what happens to you since then? Like, you know, you've been everywhere. And I'm like, I need to get AJ on this podcast because I'm sure she has so much to say about what she's done and money also. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much. Well, yes, that is very true. Back in the day, that was like three years ago now, I think I was organizing events with my girlfriend friends and I guess we had hit 
this roadblock where we were trying to navigate our way through certain jobs, you know, this new way of living and earning money on the internet. We all have very different jobs, but I'm a TV presenter. But also I was trying to negotiate deals with certain brands when I was doing online campaigns. And I felt no one was really talking about money. And it was so frustrating because I felt like I've got a lot of guy friends who are very passionate and very open about you know, how much they earn and what they should, you know, negotiate with their bosses. But women didn't really do the same. So finally, I'd met a couple of girlfriends and we decided to put on this event all about money, all about knowing your way. And what better guest to invite down to speak about that than yourself. And then since then, I have I would like to think, gone from strength to strength in my TV career. I hosted an ITV show called Don't Rock the Boat, which was my first ever primetime show, which was amazing. I've gone on to like host backstage at The Voice. I do lots of panel shows across ITV, Channel 4, the BBC. I just do lots of different fun things. In addition to all of the personal milestones that I have made, I bought my on property since I met you and I've just been trying to survive during a global pandemic which I feel like I'm doing quite well thank god wow so much has happened and I've been following you on Instagram and I saw when you purchased this property and I was like this is so cool to be also so open about it so maybe talk about you know your money mindset when it, what is the importance of money for you and how you manage your finances but I was interesting to hear about you know, why TV? I mean, is this something you've, you know, always wanted to do? And how do you feel today about, you know, being on all our screens? I mean, I guess it's quite an important moment also to be uh, to be on TV and, and, and for, for everyone to, to see you. Oh, absolutely. When I was younger, so I grew up in Blackburn, Lancashire, the northwest of England. And I grew up there with my Nigerian parents and my five brothers and two sisters. So there was a lot of us. And the television was kind of like a treat. That was the time that we all gathered in one place. You know yourself, you've got children. We're quite chaotic. And so, you know, so Sometimes people sit around and have a meal together and our thing was definitely right one show a week we all sit down and we all gather around the TV and it was a very exciting time for me growing up I loved it I loved that we all laughed at the TV that we all was excited by it and so from a very young age I was like I want to make people feel like this I want to be inside the TV I didn't know how to get inside the TV. <laughs> I just knew that that is what I wanted to do. So from a really young age in Blackburn, and then I just, yeah, tried to carve out that career. You know, I applied to go on children's game shows when I was younger. I just did all of the things that, you know, I did work experience at the BBC and magazine companies. And I just did all of the things that I thought would get my foot in the door, essentially. And I eventually got there, but it was a long, bumpy road. And what's the thing you enjoy the most at the moment? Oh, my gosh. At the moment, I am just really enjoying 
the fact that I have somewhat made a name for myself and a good reputation enough that I can say no to certain jobs that you know, a few years ago, I could have never said no to. Whereas right now, I feel quite powerful in the sense that I, you know, I am choosing my destiny. And that for me is is what I am just so excited about. I think we all aspire to do the things that we truly want to do in life. However, that is not always possible, is it? You know, when I was living in Blackburn, I just would do and say anything to get my opportunity. So I'd do all of the jobs that I hated doing, all of the side hustles that I didn't enjoy. I'd wear the things that people would tell me to wear and say the things that people would tell me to say. And you just have to do it. You just have to grin and bear it. And then eventually you start to find your own voice, find your own style, find your own rhythm. And it's amazing to be in a space right now where I do feel like I have choice within my own opportunities. And do you think you had to really like work on like your personal brand yourself, like define your value? Because I guess at this stage, you're when you're picking the projects you want to work on, you have to say, yeah, this is on brand. This is what I believe in. And I'm, I, I want to do that. So Do you set like maybe boundaries or rules for yourself in the, in the work you want to do? I do. I do now. And I guess subconsciously, I always have done. It's one of those things now, you know, it's kind of like a buzzword almost like, you know, what's your brand ethos? Whereas, especially as a TV presenter, when everything is very much yourself, you know, you wouldn't call yourself a brand, but by your very nature, are all branded you know we all have our unique selling points and we all you know deliver messages in creative and new ways and so I guess I've always had this imprint of you know what are my core values and what do I stand for and what do I want to do and say and I think you know it's something that I work on continually because as I touched upon earlier, it's not easy to be yourself. And I think even now it's probably the hardest time to be yourself when there are so many references, there's so many images and videos and podcasts to tell you what to look like, what to think, who to hang out with, the things to believe in. And, you know, There's not a lot, I think, of real self-reflection sometimes. I think the best thing about growing up in Blackburn, Lancashire, with not a lot of technology around me, not a lot of access to uh, money and travel and things like that, the benefits of that is that you really yep. sit in your own imagination and you find yourself within that. And now people are having to find themselves within a, quite a lot of noise. And so I guess, you know, I'm part of that generation now and I do constantly have to remind myself and think, is this what you wanted to do? As a little girl, you know, when you was in Blackburn, was this what you saw for yourself? Because I did have a very strong sense of self at such a young age. And I'm actually quite often referring back to the younger me rather than the new adult me surrounded by a lot of new things. 
No, I can completely relate to that. And I think, you know, being an entrepreneur, I think I have, you know, the same challenges of ignoring the noise. That's, that's quite a big one, because as you say, you know, podcast, social media, we spend our days online and we want to look like that. We want to do that. We haven't done that. Uh, we fear of, you know, missing out. And it's, it's just crazy. And especially at the moment, because we, we at home, you know, in our room with a computer that's like open to the, to the whole world. But also something that's maybe linked to that for me is around taking risk and for me I see being a TV presenter as something you know I would be like so scared of doing but I guess it's one of these things for me it was you know when I studied Vespod what that was maybe around you know public speaking and launching a business you know this thing can seem like super scary but maybe it's because you feel the fear but you also excited about it that you do these things I mean how do you take risk and, and overcome the maybe the fear I mean if you fear anything uh, you know about your job for example and stuff to do in life? That is such a good question because I feel like, you know, fear and confidence are so closely linked and you kind of need the two of them. If something doesn't scare you, I think you've not thought big enough. You know, if it, if it seems easy and very achievable, then it's like, no, you need to think bigger because your dreams and your aspirations should be scary. They should be daunting. They should make you feel nervous. They should make you question whether you're going to be capable enough to, to do them or not. And how I combat that fear, I always ask myself this question, would you be annoyed if somebody else does it? as opposed to you. It's almost that, if not you, then who? And if I'm going to get jealous of somebody else for doing something that I didn't dare to try, I'm going to be so annoyed at myself. And that is how I always just push forward and just give it a go and just try and put myself out there. And then in turn, the more you put yourself out there, the more you take risks, the more you try, then the more your confidence is built and the more easily it is to bounce back from rejection and it's easier to learn from all of your mistakes because you've made so many that you're used to them and <laughs> you know that you can rebuild time and time again that there is a lot of power in that and that will give you a lot of confidence and when I when I see you so you know on tv and when I meet you at events I see you always like you know, super positive, like high energy, like good vibes. How do you keep this? I mean, maybe you don't, but how do you, do you try to like keep this like state? Uh, because I guess that's also helpful when you're, you know, when you're a public figure, when you're, you know, on TV, but also like, you know, on your day to day, like trying to take this risk and get like these big projects. Yeah, I think to me, I personally am someone who prefers to be upbeat and energetic. I prefer to have people feel good energy around me. It all is quite reflective. You know, if, if you feel good vibes in a room, it's quite contagious, isn't it? And so even when I am having off days, you know, I do take a moment to just take a deep breath and be like, come on, you're going to feel so much better once you've been to this event, once you've spoke to this person, once you've done this thing. I have no regrets from going into a room and trying to light it up. That energy is not maintained 24-7, of course not. You know, I do need sleep, I need time out, you know. You sleep. <laughs> yeah, I do sleep 
surprise. And I do actually take time to put my phone down sometimes and just switch off for a little bit. And one of the things that keeps me very, you know, motivated and optimistic are my friends and family, particularly my family, actually, because they have been with me from day one, of course. And they're very good at reminding me of all of the things that I do currently have you know, I'm guilty of it. I'm sure everyone is. We're always in this state of striving and progressing and we want the next best thing all of the time. And I guess my mum especially is very good at just being like, whoa, 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 hang about. When you was younger, you wanted this job and you've got this job. You wanted this property and you've got this property, you know, like, but she's very good at just bringing me back to now. And that keeps me in a good state of mind and allows me to have the energy to be positive quite often. And you're not also worried to have difficult conversations. So I was reading an article you wrote in, I mean, that was an article in Vogue and you explained that in the UK, many people see more concern about not being racist that they are doing the work to become anti-racist. So that's like a very serious conversation and, and we're having it at the moment. And I know, I mean, you've been talking about your experience with you know, racial and cultural bullying. So that's like another barrier to also, you know, achieving what you want. How do you overcome this? And if you have, uh, you know, a few tips for, for us to understand what we can do to support, what we can do to learn and, and how we can sort of, you know, try to get started, like having these like difficult conversations. Yeah, difficult conversations are, you know, for me to this day, very hard to have, I guess, especially when you are a public figure who only shows the positive side, you know, usually. I wrote an article last year in the wake of all of the events that had happened in America and then all of the protests that went global surrounding Black Lives Matter. And yeah, that was a very triggering time for a lot of people for many reasons, but I also saw it as an opportunity for me to actually speak my truth and get out in the open, you know, what I've been suppressing for quite some time, racial traumas and cultural bullying, you know, it happens amongst your Uh, not just people who dislike black people, you know, it happens from, you know, ex-boyfriends, your best friends sometimes. Like, I just think our mission to become anti-racist as a society at large is that let's just all presume that we are racist and let's just all presume that we are born with not born, but we learn from a very young age about cultural bias, that there are sadly, you know, a lot of racial disparity that is, is taught at a very young age from school, textbooks, the media. There's a real problem and it starts from such a young age. So let's just all presume first and foremost that there is work to be done. And I think that's the starting block, that actually sometimes it's not about all the things that we need to learn, but actually the majority of things that we need to unlearn. You know, we need to unlearn about the fact that Africa is this poor 
barren place with no water and kids just roam around with pot bellies and flies on their faces. I'm not saying that there's not parts like that, but there's so many parts that are beautiful and rich and, and vast and wealthy and that are safe to travel. These are the things that even I, as a Nigerian, was taught as a young age in school that Africa is bad and the Western world is good. And that is just completely untrue. And so there's a lot of unlearning to be had. And then I just think going forward, a lot of empathy when people want to have these conversations, don't shy away from them because they're difficult and they make you feel uncomfortable. As I said, you know, having fear and being uncomfortable is not a bad state to be in. It's part of human nature. We need to get to grips with it and we need to really listen to one another in order to empathize and not make the same mistakes again and again and again. And how have you overcome like this toxic effect at at work, for example? In the workplace, it's It is really difficult because at the end of the day, you've got bills to pay, you want to advance, but you are at the mercy of your boss sometimes. And you can't, I feel like you can't always speak out as a black woman growing up in the UK, quite often in a room where I am the minority. I have had to just learn when to pick my battles, you know, nine times out of 10, I've said nothing. And I just, you know, bottle it and carry on. There's a lot of microaggressions that happen in the workplace. And sadly, in the past, I have been taught to just power through, get on with it. You know, from a very young age in the UK, particularly, black people are taught that, you know, you have to be 10 times better than your peers in order to even get a sniff at the same opportunity. And that is the, the the mindset that I have and and still have, sadly. It's kind of like, okay, well, I need to give them a reason not to judge me. I need to give them so many reasons to employ me and to hire me and to promote me that they can't say no. They can't refuse this, despite the color of my skin or how I choose to wear my hair, whatever. No, thanks, AJ. Super important to talk about that. And I think as you progress and you're, you know, excellent at your job, of course, yeah, you have to be better than anyone else. But then also, I think the money maybe plays a part in this. So, you know, th- there's a massive like gender pay gap, racial gap, and that has an impact on the level of pensions, the level of wealth. And these gaps uh, are actually huge. So money is really important. And I think it, it's also maybe helping to change things. So Do you think money is is important for you and is it you know helping you to maybe have these difficult conversations maybe do more for you know yourself your families uh, you know people around you uh, and do you think it it can be like a, a game changer maybe Yeah now that is such a good question because I have never been particularly money orientated so I you know I wanted to get into TV because of the joy that it brought the way it made me feel the glitz and the glamour, but never the wealth, the never, oh, I'm going to be rich. You know, I never understood that. 
Kardashian have been wealthy. I actually liked the house that I grew up in. I thought it was really fun. Yeah, you know, the, you know, we had holes in the walls and <laughs> there was like so there was these like slugs that would trail up our damp walls and we had one bathroom between ten of us. And it, I mean, you know, it was ridiculously tiny and looking back, not very nice, but as a child, I thought it was a perfectly great home. So I never really understood the notion of money until I got older. And what money brings is options, options to say yes and no, options to stand by your values and go, actually, I'm not going to work for a company that doesn't have certain things in place. It gives you the options to say, screw you, (laughs) take your money. I don't need it. So now I do value money and I do value the advancement of people in that respect because it allows you a lot of freedom. Just saying that sentence, I'm like, oh, why should people with more money have more freedom? But essentially... They do. And the the good things about it as well is that you can choose to do a lot of charity work, for example. You can choose to give your time for free. You can choose to do a lot more things when you do have money because I could be out working right now or in working right now, but you know, I get to have amazing, interesting and important conversations instead. And I think now, yeah, money is very important to me. Yeah. And I, I guess you're right. It's not about like being rich, but actually, yeah, having enough money to, you know, have choices, have the freedom to, yeah, pick like the, the stuff you want to work on and create some sort of, of impact. It was really interesting to hear, I mean, your story growing up. Did you have any money conversations when you were young? Did you build some attitudes towards money being around like your parents and brothers and, and sisters? Or like money was not a topic at all and you just discovered that when you started maybe working? I understood money, but from a very interesting point of view. So my dad was a joiner and later became a bus conductor and my mum was a cleaner. So there wasn't a lot of money going round. However, when I'd ask my dad for some money, and I'm talking like 60p, so I always loved athletics and running, and there was an athletics club in Blackburn called Blackburn Harriers, and it was 60p per week. And I was like, Dad, please can I have 60p, one pound, let's have it. No, he would always say, no, I never got 60p from my dad. And then um, my mum, I really saw her as the person who was working all the time. I saw my mum a lot growing up because she'd pick us up from school. She'd take us to her workplace. She'd always be the one cooking. So I was I was around my mum a lot of the time. And I don't know why, just never really even bothered asking my mum for money. I don't know why, I just presumed... Maybe it was just the way that I grew up. I only ever saw kids asking their dad for money, not their mum. So, yeah, yeah, maybe it was just the culture in Blackburn that I grew up around. I just always asked my dad for money and never my mum. And my dad would always say no. I guess what I would ask my mum for is say, for example, can I have a new pair of trainers? And she'd say, yeah, but you need to pay for it. And then I would never 
understand that because I was like, but I'm not even earning any money. <laughs> so my understanding from a very young age was just that I need to make my own money because no one is going to give it to me. Yeah. And that was that. As soon as I got my national insurance number, I got my first job as a cleaner and then my second job in a pub. And then my third job, I had three jobs at the age of 16. And then my third job was working in Blackburn Rovers as a waitress. And I just, I loved that. Essentially, these jobs paid like such little money. My first job was like £2.60 an hour. But just the freedom of not having to ask anybody for money, I just loved it. And I've continued in that vein. I don't ask anyone for anything. I've always just wanted to be self-sufficient. Now there's a, I mean, there's a gender pay gap in British TV. And I think, you know, presenters' compensations have been made public. I think it was in 2017. Given like this, you know, huge disparity in pay, do you have a few tips for realizing your worth and negotiating your pay now with that now that's very interesting I still struggle with this I don't know the thing is I think it's great to earn money and you should earn what you are worth but you should earn what you you are happy to earn still so say for example when I make a decision to do a certain job for a certain fee I am happy with that fee and I'll still be happy with that fee even if I find out that somebody else got paid more than me because I was happy with that fee at the time. And if anything, by learning that person's got paid more than me, the next time I do that job, I'll be like, oh, I'll push it. But at the end of the day, I'd have still done it for less. <laughs> It's a real tricky one, but I think it becomes easier sometimes the more you earn because you're allowed to walk away from certain opportunities. So I think the hardest thing about negotiating salary, particularly for women, is that because a lot of women genuinely don't ask for a pay rise or the promotion that they deserve, I think their bosses just almost talk down to them And then, you know, you're not ready for a response. And I just think before you ask for any pay rise or promotion or even just for the fee, say it with your whole chest, back yourself and say, this is a fee, that's how much it is. And if you can't afford it, that's absolutely fine. Let's work together on something else. But when you've got the budget, you've got to really be confident in that. It takes time, it takes experience, it takes, you know, like having a more positive money mindset, asking for the money, even if you're not interested in money, because, you know, that's what you should be paid. And that's what you need maybe to live the life you want and realize your goals. And actually talking about goals, I mean, you bought your first property not too long ago. So was it like a goal for you? Was it something you were, you know, working towards? And maybe if you can tell me about organizing your finances, is this something you do or you decided, okay, this is my goal. I'm going to work really hard. I'm going to save money for my deposit and, and get on the, on the property ladder. Yeah. So it's interesting, right? So I've always wanted to own my own place, but I'd never thought that I'd actually own my first place 
by myself. I thought I'd like own it with like my boyfriend, for example. And so I was with this guy, we were together for years and it was going in the right direction. And I was like, yes, we're going to get a place together. And at the time I was working on this TV show and I was like, yes, everything's going well. But then honestly, it's like the year of doom, 2013. It all came crashing down. He broke my heart. I lost my job. It was just awful. And I felt like I just had to start again from scratch. I was really, really, really sad. And when I was thinking of a new side hustle, I went to this woman who taught me how to DJ. And she was brilliant because not only was she teaching me how to DJ, but she was also just really rebuilding my confidence and just saying, listen, like you're putting a lot of weight on this guy leaving you and now you can't get this property. When she was like, you can, it's just going to take a bit longer because you're by yourself as opposed to two people's salaries, but you can still get a property. And then... I don't know what that was. I think maybe it's because a woman was telling me and I was like, yeah, she's right. That was just when I just thought, you know, you've got to swallow your pride. I moved into my dad's living room and I had a proper saving plan. I was like, all of the money that I would spend on rent, I'm now going to make 100% sure that I put it into a savings account. Essential spends only. I'm only going to be taking the bus, or the tube to meetings that I absolutely have to be at. I'm not shopping on unnecessary items. You know, I had to stick to a very strict plan and I did so for like eight years. Wow. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. And so when I did get my property, I just was so emotional about it because I just couldn't believe it. I was like, oh my gosh, I did it. Like this girl told me, like she's called Samantha. And I was like, Samantha told me I could do it and I've done it. It was, yeah, it was such an emotional day, especially when my mum came round. She just said, oh, wow, AJ, you've literally in every single corner of this property. And I was like, yes. And even then, I mean, how interesting. I had to, I bought a doer-upper and that wasn't the plan, but that was all I could afford at the time. I was like, oh my gosh, I have to actually buy a place that has no windows, has no central heating. <laughs> has no hot water and start again and I just built it up and it's been brilliant and we can see it on Instagram actually yes I mean that as well I mean how funny but I do certain things I've got certain practices to make sure that I stay in the now and that I appreciate the things that I do have and one of those things is documenting special moments and I didn't want to forget about that struggle and I didn't want to forget about what the place looked like when I first bought it. I didn't want to forget that I visualized this dream and made it a reality. And so, yeah, I set up an Instagram page, Home with AJ, and it's still, it's it's like my diary, my journey of how I came to this place and it's a it's a really special place for me i love it can you tell me if there's one piece of maybe advice like personal finance money advice that you would you know give your 
younger self or, you know, women who are just, you know, started, like starting first job. They don't know if they will make it financially or, you know, what are, what are their options? Mm. First of all, just know that your current situation is not your final destination. And so just be confident in the knowledge that it doesn't matter whether you are currently sleeping in a mice infested flat in the middle of London, paying through the nose. It doesn't matter whether you're on your dad's bed settee. It doesn't matter where you are. You can elevate yourself out of that situation. And yes, it may take longer than those who do have parents to give them a big lump sum and help them. Or for those people who do have like a job that pays them loads and loads of money, you can still do it. It just takes a little bit longer. So just be confident and safe in that knowledge. Also, set up an ISA. You get a little bit of kickback with those help to buy ISAs. So I feel like I got like a two grand bonus. So get that set up immediately. And then also, when it comes to, say, for example, if you are getting a mortgage, really shop around because you know, I remember I went to Santander to begin with and they said, yes, we can lend you some money and that money is going to be £80,000 for a flat in London. Are you joking? What am I going to get? So it feels really disheartening, but then actually there will be a bank that will lend you the right amount of money that you need to get your foot on the ladder. So really shop around and look at all of your options. Be flexible as well with your decisions and just, yeah, get saving. I'm still in this process of learning. I want to learn. There's so many things that I just didn't know before, like how to invest, what to invest in how to find a broker, all of these things. I'm just like, oh, I wish I knew that. That is what I want for the next generation, for sure. I'll invite you to my next introduction to investing uh, workshop next week. Nice. <laughs> I have three quick fire questions for you. What is the best financial decision you've ever made? Oh, uh, my home. It's my safe space. And the worst financial decision? Probably my builders. When doing up a property, one of the things I've learned is actually just have a little bit of knowledge about how to do up a property via YouTube alone. No offense, builders, you know, they're not all bad. And what are the things you spend the most money on at the moment? Oh, the things I spend the most money on at the moment are probably herb extensions, makeup, clothes, basically my appearance. Is that, that's really sad. <laughs> It's good if it makes you feel good. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, you know, what else can I be doing in this time? You know, face masks. Yeah, beauty, beauty products, essentially. AJ, thank you so much. I had, you know, such a good time. Is there anything else you'd like to, to share with people who are listening to this episode? Oh, thank you. Thanks for having me. I've really enjoyed chatting to you. I don't know if there is anything, you know, there's no like lasting pearls of wisdom but just go forth be confident and just know that you are worthy no matter what your bank balance is currently saying that's so cool thank you so much where can we find you you have your website 
Yes. So why don't you just check? I mean, I keep everything up to date on my Instagram, AJODUDU. I've got a Twitter of the same address. I've got a website, which I've not updated for a while, but I must. So yeah, keep up to date with me on AJODUDU and home with AJ if you want to see my latest renovation situation. Super. I'll share all the links to your platforms in the show notes. AJ, that's so nice to see you. Thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me today. I loved it. Thank you. Me too. If you enjoyed this episode, please take a couple of seconds to rate it on your favorite podcast platform. Also, don't forget to join our community on Instagram and Facebook and to subscribe to our newsletter on Vespot.com. Feel free to email me with your comments and questions over at emily at Thank you. Speak to you soon.